Doc Rivers continues to time and time again not get it when it comes to getting... Oh! Let him play! You bet one one bone to win 19. I'm just, where, what site do you use where you can actually bet one buck? I, they let you do 50 cent bets. Oh my goodness, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, literally like he dropped Superman down like the drain. Comes out like, God damn it, Superman. <laughs> I don't know, honey. I don't know where he got that from. From Los Angeles, this is Dave in the City. Part of the Dit Cow Sports Network. Now, here's Dave Medina. Just looking for my buttons. Hello and good evening, sports fans. And a pleasure to have you here for the big, for the big. Ditcalf Football Show. Good to have you with us from the Dave in the City Studios at the home of champions, Southern California, with our most recent champion, the 2021 Los Angeles Rams, who just won Super Bowl 56 um, a couple weeks ago. An incredible finish. Solid game. Really good game. And we're here to recap that tonight. And then uh, some golf talk in, in the second half of our show, where uh, Mike in North Jersey will join both of us. But uh, we'll start with our friends John and Andy as uh, we recap what was a really fun Super Bowl. Great halftime show, too. Like We talked about that in our preview a couple weeks ago. Really good stuff. But uh, um, glad to have you with us. And uh, we're ready to start our, our next fa- our next uh, few shows. We, we, we'll have more football content in the next uh, weeks to come. We're also going to keep t- covering other sports. We're going to cover golf tonight. And we also will have a chance to, to get into... Chance to get into the NCAA um, college basketball tournament. That's going to be fun, too. So it'll be a really good times um, ahead here on this podcast. So we, we're we just getting started for all over here. So good times good times all the way around. So let's go introduce our, our friends tonight. And uh, first, let's say hello to our friend John in Connecticut, who, my goodness, John, you, you had a weekend, I, I will say, but... But as far as uh, football and golf are concerned, I hope you're doing well. Uh, what's new with you, my friend? Nothing much, Dave. Good to be back on. Um, I'm sure me and Andy are both watching this Providence game. They cannot like get over the hump to take the lead. It's very frustrating, and they just turn the ball over. So, yeah, we have action all over the place here tonight. So, uh, good to be on. <laughs> I guess the grind continues, doesn't it? So, <laughs> Oh, yeah, always. The grind always continues. I love it. All right, let's also say hello to Andy in Seattle. Good to have you back, Andy. How's it going tonight? I mean, we'll see. I, I probably will not be in a great mood. I might be in a good mood. Doesn't really doesn't matter. I, we're just kind of sweating out these games, money line parlays, straight up. Connect, uh, you, Providence is bothering me. I'm sure John can handle it better, but this Providence has been so good for us, but they have to beat Xavier at home, and Iowa State <laughs> needs to beat West Virginia at home. And Virginia covered. Rutgers did not cover. Virginia covered. We really need Providence to come through. We need uh, we need Colorado State to to win. I don't know. We got a lot. John's got a lot. We're having a show, but yeah, my focus is going to be you know <laughs> a little scattered. Understood. Understood. I mean, as we were saying, um, there's uh, 
a lot of juice as we close up the college basketball season. We're really closed, actually. So one thing I'm hoping we can do is like we can keep talking about college basketball the next couple of weeks because it'll be a good setup for the tournament. And uh, we've got a lot to talk about there. So so uh, we'll keep it going as far as that's concerned. But back to the Super Bowl. Boy, good game. Good halftime. Just a good event all the way around. I mean, it wasn't a perfect game. I mean, the third quarter was really slow. But um, but definitely um, a lot to talk about when you talk about uh, what happened. And then and when we get into golf, we'll get into that later. But, man, juice there, too. Genesis Invitational, the Saudi League that wasn't. Yeah, that's coming up in there in the second half of our show. But back to the Super Bowl. And we'll go back, go to you first, John. Really, um, can't say more. I mean, the, the Bengals played their butts off. They had a they, they really did well for themselves. And the Rams outlasted them in the fourth quarter with a very nice comeback drive by uh, Stafford. But moreover, it really wasn't just Stafford that was winning this, that won this game. It was really Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup who really won the game. They both were just fantastic on this night. Cup got the Super Bowl MVP, but uh, honestly, I would have given it to Aaron Donald myself. He played really well, but you can't really complain either way. So, John, let's get your thoughts on uh, the Super Bowl action. Yeah, it's like, I know, the Super Bowl feels like it was played six months ago, Dave, honestly. <laughs> with everything that's happened since then, seriously. That's true. That's um, true. Yeah. So, you know, we'll try to do our best here to recap it. But, I mean, you said it was a good game. Like, I don't know. It was a competitive game. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'd call it a good game. I mean, it had a good ending, like an exciting last couple of minutes. But, man, that, that there had to been, like, six straight three and outs maybe between right. the two teams right. like in the third quarter like they're neither team could get anything going on offense both i mean the rams defensive line completely dominated uh in the second half uh one of the props i made was over five and a half sacks uh total for the game so that was a, a pretty good uh a pretty good hit because you knew that the rams were going to get some pressure um and then the bengals front had actually done pretty well throughout the playoffs so that was an easy prop to hit um, but you know, there's a couple key, uh, key moments in that game. I think Beckham getting hurt was huge. I mean, he was off to just such a hu- uh, a great start to that game. And once you take him off the field, I mean, who else did the Rams have? Obviously, you know, Cup is unbelievable. But you know, you you put a couple guys on him, and uh, the Rams really can't do anything else. Uh, they had that other guy, uh, that other receiver with the long last name Skaronic, I think his name is. He, he, that dude's got hands of stone. He could not catch whatsoever. Um, you know, the, the tight end was, was hurt, so it was a really tough thing. And yet, you know, Sean McVay, he kept running it into like a – they were getting like one yard of carry, and yet he insisted on, um, you know, running it into the box on every single like first down and just putting them behind the eight ball. Uh, not to mention like, you know, Zach Taylor, not to be outdone, um, you know, I mean, maybe you can – double team Aaron Donald there or have you ever heard of a screen pass like I don't think they used a screen pass once in that game and that would have been like the perfect call with Nixon or Pirine with the pressure they were getting so it wasn't really a a, a tremendously well-played game I would say and certainly the coaches didn't uh, really uh, have their best their best stuff Um, you know Taylor with it was he he was trying to get the quick first down at at the last drive of the game on the second and one handoff to Pirine and just it was just completely stuffed and then from there it was just a disaster and on the final play if Burrow had just a little bit of time Chase was coming wide open down the middle uh down the sidelines they would have won the game or they would have scored a touchdown um and gone ahead so 
Um, but you know, you, you got to give the Rams or especially Stafford and Cup credit when they needed the drive the most, they converted time after time again on that possession. Uh, they did get a little help from the refs on that one holding call, which should not have been a hold. Um, you know, if that's not called, I think it's what fourth and goal from the 10 or the 13. I mean, they might score, who knows, but the odds are they're not going to score and the Bengals probably win. And it was just crazy because the, the, the game, there was hardly any penalties. The one call you could say was missed was on the long touchdown when Chase had the, the face or sorry, Higgins had the face mask. Um, you, they could have called that, but other than that, it was a very under officiated game until the very end, which is, is what you hate to see. Um, so uh, yeah, they were two very evenly matched teams. And at the end of the day, the Rams made just a few more plays and their, um, best players made the plays when they needed to, to do it with uh, cup and uh, certainly Donald on that defensive line. So, um, you know, good for them. They, they went to get the title and, uh, yeah, it was a, you know, I, I would say it wasn't like a, a memorable Super Bowl. Like we'll look back on it in 10 years and be like, man, that Rams Bengals game was that was something else. You know, that was an awesome game. But you know what? Just like any NFL game or any playoff game, really, like the two teams were very evenly matched and it, and it provided an entertaining finish to the season, which is all you could hope for. Yeah, very fair assessment, John. I think a good comparison, if you want to go back to Super Bowls of the past, probably Super Bowl 46 between the Giants and the Patriots, where it, was kind of, it wasn't the greatest game, but it was a close game. And then and you ended up with a, with a tight finish. So that's probably about the kind of game I would put it. Um, so, Andy, let's go back to you. And um, what were your thoughts from Super Bowl 46 um, from what you saw? Yeah, uh, you know, kind of on the same wavelength as as John. You know, it was a close game. Wasn't, wasn't like, thrilling. You know, the third quarter, as you both mentioned, was, you know, besides the you know, when the, when the Bengals scored 10 points in like two minutes, that was basically it. Uh, both coaches kind of tight Rams Rams got the job done at the end. I would say like, why, what, why is this game not starting? But, um, uh, haunting, haunting possession for the Bengals would be the very first possession where, you know, they stalled at around like the 50. If you remember, they went for it on, on fourth down and, and didn't get it. Um, then there was another instance in the fourth quarter where I don't know if Boyd, I think it was Boyd, might have been Higgins. They dropped it on third down. Uh, you kind of like gator, gator arms a catch um, on third down. I don't know if they would have gotten the – first down it would have been really close but the fact that he dropped it made them punt it and the other haunting possession was right after that Stafford pick in the third quarter with a chance to go up you know they only settled for the three points there had they had they been able to score 14 points in in a span of two minutes instead of 10 points in a span of two minutes I think the game could have been a little different. I think the Rams might have gotten even tighter. You know, the Rams played tight. As John mentioned, McVay, the smartest guy in the room, just kept insisting on handing the ball off and, you know, right into the D-line of Cincinnati. And uh, it wasn't paying off. And 
to piggyback on the last drive for the Bengals on that, you know, they're how haunting is that going to be? You know, they had second and one from what, like the 50 and they didn't get a down on second down or they didn't get a yard on second down. They didn't get a yard on third down. And we all know what happened on fourth down. And I don't know if Mixon was trying to get in the, on the field on third down and, you know, some articles say he was trying to get on and some articles didn't allude to it whatsoever, but yeah, like Perrine, I think he only got like two touches the whole game. So, you know, there's no do-overs in the NFL, but, you know, you know, Taylor and company are going to look back and be like, Ooh, that was haunting. And there's no guarantee, you know, every, all the Bengals after the game, like we'll be back. No guarantee you'll be back. I mean, yeah, they are a now team, and they should be in position to be in position next year. Um, but it's hard to get to a Super Bowl. And as uh, as we've seen, the team that loses the Super Bowl can kind of have a hangover the next season. You know, the, the Chiefs had it for a little bit. Uh, they, they dusted the cobwebs off and obviously were trending going into the postseason. But – you know, something to keep an eye on next year, even though the sky is, you know, the proverbial limit for the Bengals. But it was a close game. That's, that's basically all you can really ask for in a Super Bowl. You know, we haven't we haven't been privy to too many blowouts. Um, you know, Seahawks, Broncos comes to mind. Um, I guess Chiefs, Bucks was kind of a blowout uh last year but i don't really remember at this point but yeah like it it feels far removed from super bowl sunday even though we're really only like 10 days past it Mm -hmm. um the halftime show was obviously polarizing depending on how old you are and you know i didn't really care one way or the other and the commercials Everyone like had like detailed analysis of the commercials. It's like I'm going to the bathroom and going to the fridge during the commercials. So, you know, I saw the Larry David one. That was funny, but I can't really speak. You know, the Sopranos commercial too. But that's that's basically all I can remember. <laughs> I was kind of more paying attention to like the actual game. Um, good for Stafford. Uh, yeah, like John nailed it. You guys talked about it. Like it wasn't a coaching clinic by any stretch of the imagination. And, uh, you know, the Bengals going to have a lot of regrets, you know, I, they covered, they should have like, they really should have won that game, but that last drive, man, that last drive too much. And, uh, as Dave, you mentioned, the. Uh, you know, the pass rush for the Rams, they were, they were definitely a difference maker. Yeah. Yeah, That's, and that's sort of, that was kind of good for Aaron Donald too, right? In terms of getting the championship, he's been on the Rams for a long time. I think they said it was the seventh season with that team. So he's been through the ups and the downs. So for that reason, I'm just happy for him. And um, you raise an interesting point with Cincinnati. Is this going to be their big, this is going to be their only shot. Um, I thought that I actually think they could make another run into this. I mean, they're so young, but I'm, I'm curious as to see how that goes. Like you said, Super Bowl hangover is a real thing. No doubt. Um, let's go to John and let's get your thoughts in Cincinnati. Do you think that this is a team that's primed for multiple playoff runs or was this their shot? 
I mean, the NFL is so competitive. You never know what can happen from year to year. Um, you know, if all their players stay healthy, they'll certainly be one of the teams that can be in contention. But you can't say for sure, like, oh, yeah, I mean, they're going to get to another Super Bowl in the next four or five years. I mean, who would have thought in 2010, like, Aaron Rodgers would be the one Super Bowl, you know? Or even, you know, going back uh, to the 80s, Dan Marino gets to the Super Bowl his first year never goes back again. Yep. So, I mean, nothing is guaranteed uh, in the NFL. Um, so, I mean, you know, they're certainly well positioned, but I, you know, I can't say that for sure. Like they're, they're going to get back to the Super Bowl. Um, I mean, look at the, you know, the chiefs and I know they did get back, you know, the second, the second year to play the bucks, but um, you know, they easily could have gone again and they just kind of flamed out in their playoff game. So um, yeah, I, I, I would say that they're among a handful of teams that could, uh, could get back to the Super Bowl, but I think there probably will be a hangover next year. Um, they're kind of going to be a, a trendy team. Uh, you know, this year, I literally think I'd have to go back and, and verify, but I think their only primetime game of the year was against the Jaguars on Thursday night football. I could be wrong about that, <laughs> but I do not remember. I do remember that being a Thursday night game and like they were down to, like two touchdowns to Urban Meyer in the first quarter and they had to come back to win. But um, other than that, I don't remember them being on prime time. So next year they're going to be kind of more of a, um, you know, they're, they're going to be a team with a target on their back and they're going to have more national exposure and everything else. And, you know, it seems like Burrow is the kind of guy that can handle that kind of thing. Um, but it, it's just going to be pretty tough because the AFC is just really loaded with contenders. I mean, you got the chiefs with Mahomes, obviously um, the, the chargers, uh, Herbert is a, a high caliber quarterback. Uh, the Ravens will be, you know, not riddled with injuries again. And, you know, we've seen what Lamar Jackson can do. Um, you know, the Patriots are up and coming. Uh, you know, the Bills, obviously, with Josh Allen, they easily could have gone to the Super Bowl this year. Um, you know, who knows what's going to happen with Denver if, if they get Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I don't see why he'd want to go there in the AFC. Um, but who knows if, he, if they get him. Um, so, I mean, the AFC is a tough, tough uh, conference. So, yeah. um, I, I wouldn't you know, guarantee them really anything in the next few years. I mean, they'll, they'll be in contention, but I can't say like, oh yeah, the Bengals are going to make the Super Bowl again. Well, it's a reasonable point, John. And if you really think, you know, it, you really could go either way. I, I mean, like I said, I think, I think, I think there's a tangible argument for that, for the Bengals being a player, much like the chiefs, but it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to make it to the Super Bowl the next year. Uh, so we'll we'll see what happens. We'll talk about some offseason news too, um, as we wait for for Mike to join us and talk about some golf. But this delay in the Providence game has been just ridiculous. Like, what's going on over there? Is like a leak in the roof or something? I got the sound off. I have no idea. They just showed this old guy like dancing with the college students. <laughs> I I did, see did you guys see that? I did see that. That was unbelievable. <laughs> Stop. Oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah, right on. Now is Providence the team in the? Yeah, okay, they just tied it. Very good. They're giving one, so hopefully they can come through for you guys. So, um, anyway, getting into the, all of us are giving. Some of us are giving two. Oh. But, hey, you know, <laughs> one or two, same thing. I mean, I guess you know. Okay. We'll see what happens here. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's, it, it probably either way they're going to need to go up a few more points. Um, so yeah, a lot of offseason. In fact, I just saw some late breaking news in text before I went on the before we went on the air that uh, Troy Aikman's about to leave Fox. I wonder how. It looks like this is a real thing. 
on the verge of bolting Fox for ESPN's Monday Night Football. Wow. Fellas, what do you think? I don't know. Who's going to replace him at Fox? I mean, they're a talent pool there. I know. Slim. <laughs> Slim Yikes. Pickens. I mean, I, I, you know, I never really liked Aikman anyway, but yeah. man, who is going to replace him at Fox? I mean, that's a great get for ESPN yeah. um, compared to what they've had. But, uh, yeah, I don't know who who's next in line at Fox. I mean, Charles Davis isn't even there anymore. I mean, I guess you could have put him in there as, like, a safe kind of – Yeah, thing. who's Bur- who who's Burkhart? Who does Burkhart do the game with? Oh, it's – um, what's his name? Greg Olson. So they slide him up and just kind yeah. of – He'd be all right. Not – I mean, he'd be oh, okay. I was saying Aqib Tlaib. Have you guys heard him do a game before? He is, like, out there. <laughs> He, he's pretty, he's funny. I will give him that, but I don't know if he could handle like the number one. He's like good for like the random, you know, Panthers, uh, Falcons, like fifth game in line. But I don't think I could see him for, uh, you know, the top top candidate. What did he just do? Did you now? have Texas? Did you have Texas? Uh, Christian plus eight and a half by chance. <laughs> I had nothing to do with that game. Did they cover? No, it was. They were down five with like a minute left, and they just they they lost by nine. I, my, sorry, Dave, for hijacking, but like, my misery personality will like have to do the play by play breakdown to see what happened, because I, I need to know. Yeah, well, it's a decent segue. I like I was saying before, like I don't mind that college basketball talk. We got it's a good it's a good segue to the tournament coverage that we're going to do later, so I'm down with it. Um. Well, uh, while we suss all that out, and Providence up by one with a minute and 30, and they're wiping the floor again, uh, but it, it, with a minute 37 left, you know, some offseason news to talk about. You know, you raised a lot of good offseason um, topics, John, and then coaching is no different. And we, we, if you remember, Manny Diaz was really trying to sue the NFL for a lot of stuff. Like in the Dolphins, they, he basically called out the Dolphins as being a loser organization. Well, he's right; they are, but there obviously there is a there is a there is a claim of racial bias. And interestingly, out of all that, he gets hired by the Steelers not to be a coordinator at all, to be a defensive assistant. It's such an unusual hire. I mean, I think Manny will take it, but I did think he got railroaded. We talked about that in past episodes. But uh, John, I'll go back to you first. Like, do you think this? I mean, I think it is a good hire. But it's a curious one, certainly from both sides. Like, is this worth it for Manny? Is this worth it for the Steelers? I think so, if he eventually becomes a DC. But it's just such an unusual move, don't you think so, John? I don't. I, I think you're confusing somebody, Dave. Did you say Manny Diaz? I think you're referring to Brian oh, maybe Flores. Flores is what I was trying yeah. to say. Yeah, okay. that's okay. No, I know who you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean. I mean, good for him for getting a job after all that, yeah. you know, like someone's going to hire him. But I always thought, I think his firing was premature in Miami. I know they weren't the, you know, they were, they were one and eight and you could have said, well, it, you know, part of his coaching is the reason why they're one and eight. Um, but they, they almost made the playoffs last year. Uh, you know, and when he got there, it was a complete dumpster fire of a team and he kind of made them respectable. So, um, I don't know. I think as a defensive assistant, I think, I think the Steelers could have done much worse for sure. I think, you know, I think he was a, he's a good addition to that staff. And I guess we'll see how it plays out, how his lawsuit plays out with the NFL. 
Yeah, good call. And yeah, um, anything as far... Did you want anything as far as Flores? And yeah, it's Brian Flores. Sorry about that, fellas. I have no comment on Flores, <laughs> really. I mean, it's, it's fine, just... It's fine. But uh, about the announcer stuff, like... I'll get the rebound. Get the rebound. I, I, I'm curious to see, like, how NBC does next year. Uh, without Al Michaels, I have you've heard. I, I think that their presentation is awful. Al Michaels conceals and and is the band aid for all that's awful about the NBC presentation. And without Al, people will be you know, they're going to see how bad that NBC product is with Collinsworth and Tarico and. And Drew Brees, it's it's just a bad broadcast, and uh, we'll see what Fox does with with Aikman, and we'll see how the Amazon package works out with, uh, you know, I I know it's all innuendo with Al Michaels, but I'm sure it's going to happen. And then, you know, what happens with ESPN, like with Greasy Roddick, which one of them leaves? Both of them leave. Is it just going to be Aikman and? And uh, what you call Steve Levy? Steve Levy. I don't think so. I think they'd bring somebody in. That's just like a mismatch to me in terms of like, I don't know. I, you, they'd have to bring somebody in other than Steve Levy. No offense to him, but yeah, I agree. Levy is not. I mean, you we hear him. I think of like hockey. I think a sports center. You don't really think a NFL. You know. It was even weird him doing college football for a few years. I was like, "Oh, really? Steve Levy's doing college football? Okay, I guess we'll, I guess we'll deal with this." <laughs> yeah, not an A-type guy, I have to say. Like, I, I like, I don't dislike him. It's just that I don't think of him as like the premier broadcaster in on any network. So I'm with you guys on that. Well, I, you know, if they didn't get Aikman, what they should have done is uh, Herb Street and Fowler have been tremendous in their NFL experiences when they've gone on there but i don't think they'd want to do the, the top college game and monday night football but they were they used they were pretty good the few times they filled in yeah but Can't... um yeah so is nbc going to be Tarico and collinsworth now i mean that's that's rough i mean i guess collinsworth is better than drew Brees, though I, i'll say that he, yeah that was that was for Tarico and breeze my goodness that that was a tough tough listen true story Plus, it's yeah. I I just think in Notre Dame with Tarico and the old British Open coverage on ESPN with Tarico, it's just not good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you think you know? Have you guys been able to watch the Olympics? It's kind of the same thing. It's just like after Bob Costas, it's just a letdown watching the Olympics with Tarico anchoring it. I know it's sad. I've not watched a second of the Olympics. Oh, wow. I don't know. Does that make me like not a patriot? I don't know. I honestly. I'm just, <laughs> I had no interest in this. I watched the summer games in August. I just had no interest in this whatsoever. Now, to be fair, there was not a lot of juice in the Olympics at all. I've done some Olympic spots and other people's shows, and it's just – I was just kept saying, you know, honestly, there wasn't much of a story there. Like, it just – there was no Michael Phelps, you know. There was nobody that could really move the needle for the Olympics this year. And so don't blame me there, John, honestly. And no NHL in the mix. Like, that just made it even tougher. But found out I was actually getting nine and a half with TCU. Oh, oh just a total, a total nice. 
Nice little surprise. It's a nice surprise. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just too much going on. Busy day at work. Too many game podcasts. Good deal. Yeah. You know, staying on college basketball for a second before we bring in uh, Mike. I mean, I think uh, it's going to be a very interesting year. I mean, you know, Auburn is off to a great uh, was has having been having such a great year, and then um, kind of the same scenario. Like Baylor was obviously great for a while too. Gonzaga's, I think, it was the Gonzaga that got the overall number one, I believe. Yeah, so they were great. But my question is. I think these are good seedings, but my question is, do you think you're going to get like top teams in the final four again? You know, this, this is a really early time to ask, make this question, but Ooh, nice. I think they just tied it up, but, but do you think there could be some massive upsets this time around or will we see the cream rise at the top? I mean, what's your feeling about this field just in general so far as we round into the final couple weeks of the regular season? And it all depends on matchups, Dave, like yeah. any other year. It depends on how the bracket comes out. So you can't say, like, oh, my God, there's going to be all number one seeds or there's going to be a ton of upsets and there's yeah. going to be, you know, no seed better than five in the final four. So yeah. it, it just depends on how it plays out. But it's going to be the same old story in terms of, like, Gonzaga's not tested all year in their conference, and then they're going to go into March, and we'll see what happens. Um, well, I will say that for a while there – the WCC was going to have like five teams in. It was going to be, you know, Gonzaga, St. Mary's, San Francisco, um, BYU. And I think it, maybe Santa Clara was in the mix. I don't know. But the league was more competitive than usual. But still, it's still like not even close to if they were playing like in the Big 12 or mm-hmm. um, the Big 10. Um, and, you know, like Auburn, yeah, they're really impressive. But like is the, is the NCAA tournament being played in Auburn? If so, like I'll take them to win. But if not, like I, I don't know. They – um they kind of struggle on the road. That's an excellent call. That, right? Yeah. Like you could say the same thing about a lot of teams, but especially yeah. for a top team like that, the discrepancy between their play on at home and road is just huge. Same thing. Honestly, if the NCAA double if the NCAA tournament was played in Piscataway, New Jersey, I think Rutgers might win it all. <laughs> like they were almost unbeatable it's true. at home and at, on the road there. They just, you know, like tonight was just a huge trap. And of course we fell into it playing Michigan. Uh, after the whole scenario with, um, you know, the fight on Sunday. But, um, yeah, it's all going to just depend on the matchups, Dave. But, yeah, it should be, an, you know, the college basketball is just become much more competitive from, say, team number one to, like, 40, which is, you know, mm-hmm. which is what you want to see. And um, hopefully we'll get some some good upsets or the, 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 the mid-majors, the best teams will win their conference tournaments to get in. Because it, it's never fun when, like, you know, you got a team that goes 23 and 4, in the, their conference and dominates all year, and then they lose in the conference championship game. But they, you know, but their resume is not good enough to get in. And it's like some, you know, eighteen and sixteen team that doesn't deserve it, and they just get, you know, blown out in round one. So, um, we'll it'll be interesting to follow the conference tournament week to see if the the good teams get in for sure. Oh yeah, I'm all about it. And uh, one team I didn't want I didn't want to leave out was UCLA. I was in the building to see them play against Washington. And they just trashed Washington. I think this team might be a player. I mean, they seem to have picked up a lot of the juice from where they with that they had last year. I'm because I was actually glad to see that. Um, Andy's a little closer to the scene, so I wanted to get your thoughts on what what you might see from UCLA and anybody else in the Pac-12. Do you think they could be a player in this tournament? I think Arizona's loaded. Arizona's complete. Arizona's the real deal. I love it. Uh, they remind me of 
of okay. they were they <laughs> <laughs> they have uh, their coach is like the former Gonzaga assistant. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got pros on that team. Um, obviously, anyone can get plucked between you know first round and championship Monday, but. I'm sure John's seen plenty of Arizona this year. Like they, they are more complete than any addition of Arizona I've seen in a while. Um, they can win up and down tempo. They can win 65, 62. So they can win in multiple styles. Um, you know, they're kind of like, almost like Baylor last year. Baylor this year is pretty good. Uh, echoing John's thoughts on Gonzaga. Yeah, they are. Uh, they're continually and routinely like blowing out the lower tier West coast conference teams by like 30 points, 40 points, first half line minus 20 and they're hitting them. Like, and and to be fair, yeah, they had uh, for a while, San Francisco, BYU, St. Mary's, Santa Clara were all like dance worthy. But I think when push comes to shove, you're going to see Gonzaga, St. Mary, and maybe like a third team. I just don't know who. I don't trust San Francisco, and I don't like BYU. Um, And, yeah, like the medium to lower level conferences, yeah. it's So a team like Vermont, they're fun to watch. They're fun to bet on. Like they need to win the America East or they're not going to get a bid because they're – strength of schedule is, is piss poor or they didn't play anyone in the non-conference so they need to win it all but they're fun to watch and if they get in they can potentially win a, a game or two uh in the in the mac you've got like toledo is very fun to watch and ohio has a good record but only one of those teams are gonna dance ohio valley um murray state and i think you know, Moorhead State and Belmont, those three teams are all very good. Murray State, I think, was ranked last week. They still might be, but I think that's only going to be a one-bid league. Then you got a conference like the Mountain West where uh, UNLV is – they're not going to get in that large bid. Um, they're 16 and 11, but they're hot, and they have a uh, great scorer that uh, – he's lefty. I forget his last name. His first name's Bryce, but uh, – they can beat anyone, and so they could be a bid stealer in the mm-hmm. Mountain West. Um, even Arizona State, as crappy as their record is, interesting. I would, they could beat anyone. That's in interesting. Basketball. They could be a bid stealer. So, um, if we could have fun talking about teams that are designed to win it all, but we could also have a lot of fun, like breaking down like which teams can disrupt. Uh, stuff in the conference tournaments and who can kind of like burst burst bubbles and uh, you know create create chaos and uh, I just kind of rambled a, a, a few few teams just there no I dig it I dig it well uh, we'll get into more of that coverage uh, down the road but let's get into the topic of golf and to do that let's bring in our good friend Mike in North Jersey. Welcome back, Mike. It's good to see you again here in 2022. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty well, Dave. Um, 
the Rutgers has not uh, made my night any more enjoyable. You know, they were right in that <laughs> game against Michigan. And then, look, Rutgers did not play that well. But Michigan built that lead off of, like, five straight possessions where they had contested shots, but they hit every single shot. And then they just couldn't get back into it. Uh, Paul Mulcahy did not have a good game. So, I don't know. They're making it interesting as to whether or not they'll get in the tournament. Uh, I think they they definitely got to beat Wisconsin now at home, and that's not going to be an easy task. So even though they always win at home, but uh, you can beat Wisconsin twice in a year. I don't know. It's asking a lot. So we'll see, though. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, a lot of good juice with Wetgers, though. I love the, I love the fight. It's really cool to see. And then now that you're a part of the scene there, Mike, I think it's cool that you're that you're in the mix for the for the for some, for some of that action. So, um, welcome in. It's, it's good to have you with us. You know, we were we, we know a week ago we were talking about how hey we get to talk about this new Saudi league, and then it flopped. <laughs> I'm like, Mike, what happened? Jeez, oh, where do you want to start with this? Uh, <laughs> <I know. laughs> do, do you want like a whole primer of the Saudi League and how this came to be? Because we got to go back like 28 years if you yeah. want the full story about this. Right on. Yeah, well, I, I, we got nothing but time. I, I'm down for it. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess uh, I'll try to give a, a Cliff Notes version. But 1994, Greg Norman is the biggest name in golf, right? Right. So he comes to the conclusion that the top players, specifically himself, are not getting a big enough cut. So he proposes not a league that would necessarily uh, supplant the PGA Tour, but something that would be like a little bit less than once a month, once every six weeks, tournaments around the world, top 50 players, guaranteed money, whatnot. Um, And it started to build some momentum. Arnold Palmer at that time is still such a respected name in the game that there's this players meeting and Arnold Palmer comes in and he trashes this proposal and that's the end of it yeah, he basically says what are you guys doing the pga tour has done so much for our lives this is a disgrace and that puts an end to it now further irking greg norman is that they kind of took his idea and made it into the world golf championships and then didn't give him any credit for it so we do got to give the shark some credit on that he did kind of think of the world golf championships but anyway, this festers uh, for a while. And then a few years ago, we hear about not the Saudi Golf League or the Super Golf League, which is what they call it, the Premier Golf League. Now, Premier Golf League is the same idea. It's 50 players, guaranteed money, maybe some different formats, a lot more of a shuffling of the money towards the top. And what happens is, is the people that were behind the Premier Golf League don't have the financing to pull this off. So what do they do? They go to the Saudis. And the Saudis, instead of cutting a deal with them for to give, yeah, we'll finance this, just steal the idea themselves and go <laughs> forth with it. Amazing. So we spend the last couple of years, it's kind of just, it's lurking in the background. I know we're kind of looking at the players who were going and playing in the Saudi Invitational and saying these guys might be involved. But then in the last month, stuff really starts to come to a head. It seems like Mickelson's going to go. It seems like DeChambeau's going to go. Um, Henrik Stenson, Justin Rose, Lee Westwood, basically that old uh, that Ryder Cup crew from Europe seemed to be in. Jason Kokrak, Dustin Johnson, maybe. Then in like the last couple weeks, a few things happened. 
we hear that the Saudi golf league has 20 players and that their plan was when we had signed 20 players, we're going to announce it. And to show you the pettiness of this, they were going to do this during the uh, players championship, which that, that would have been really funny to see what would have happened if there were players that were in the players championship field, if they, like they would have been shot on site by PGA tour security, if that had <laughs> happened, but yeah, oh yeah, no, just, uh, I, I almost wish we could have seen that happen just for the shit show that would have occurred. But anyway, so we hear about the 20 players are going to announce it um, at the players championship. And then Alan Shipnick releases this excerpt from Phil Mickelson, where Phil Mickelson says, look, the Saudis are scary motherfuckers. They killed Kashagi. Their, their human rights record is terrible. I really don't want this league to succeed, but I'm doing this because the PGA tour is really greedy and we need to make some changes. So, we don't know exactly what happened, but I guarantee you the Saudis, because the whole plan for this is something called sports washing. And there's a, there's an article I retweeted about it. It's just basically, it's a PR move for them. They don't care so much about making this a financial success, but the second he says that the sports washing idea is not going to work. So I guarantee you, they threw him out. And then when that happened, Dustin Johnson released the statement and said, I'm out. And then Bryson DeChambeau a few hours later goes, I'm out. So it's dead. They have no one, uh, or they do. They have Jason Kokrak and a bunch of forty-year-old <laughs> European players. So, if they want to go forward with that, they can. But uh, yeah, it, it, it's a whirlwind. Uh, Golf Channel the last couple of days has been very interesting to listen to because normally they don't speculate much on Golf Channel. Like uh, so many times on, on this uh, over the years, like John and I and Andy when he's joined us, we've kind of been like. You know, the, the, the story is this, but what we think is really going on. They were speculating today that Phil Mickelson, they were flat out saying that he's probably suspended indefinitely. And that's what this break is. He's not taking a break. He's suspended. And they actually went through the PGA Tour rules and said what he's probably suspended for. Um, I know Eamon Lynch specifically did that. And Jaime Diaz yesterday was saying... You know, Phil is probably in like some big financial trouble here. So, and that's really what his motivation behind this is. So, really a uh, whirlwind event. It seemed like we were about to have a serious uh, challenge to the PGA Tour, something w that would have taken some of the top players in the world out. And then within three days, it all blew up. So, uh, crazy times. Crazy times, no doubt. I mean, it was actually kind of exciting for a moment there. I, I was trying to keep it all together like just to just to remember like alpha just to figure out who was going where and whatever else but uh too bad i guess so oh well you know much like the xfl kind of over before it started and so in you know back in uh the, the original xfl not the new one but uh you know it's, it's it's just such a fascinating story so thanks for that recap mike that was really good john let's get your thoughts on this whole brouhaha too i mean obviously you were in on you were following this too uh, what were your thoughts I mean, like, as soon as Mickelson, they, they released that statement, I was like, oh, my God, what the hell is this guy doing? Like, he should, like, be in fear for his life from the Saudis. Like, seriously. <laughs> I, that was my first thought. Like, yeah, they're, they're scary motherfuckers, and no one wants anything to do with them. But you know what? I'm going to stick it to the PGA Tour and join up with these guys for millions of dollars. Like, it, it made no sense, number one. And just, like, it was just such a bizarre statement that he made. Like, yeah, they killed the guy. They have horrible records against, you know, uh, gay people and uh, trans people and, and all these other uh, discriminated groups. But you know what? 
I'm going to stick it to the PGA tour and I'm going to play, you know, take the millions uh, from these people. Um, it's just, it's just crazy. Someone was even floating idea like Billy Walters set him up somehow set Phil <laughs> up for this whole thing. But uh, who knows? I and mean, that's just a conspiracy theory. But honestly, even if, even if it went through as, you know, say they got their 20 players to do it or 25 players to do it, it, it would be, it would be a horrible like competition. Like who wants to watch those 20 play? Who wants to watch <laughs> Phil Mickelson and Jason Kokrak battling it out at the chop heads open? Like who wants to see that? Yeah. Ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, the tour championship is honestly one of the worst events of the year and it's a 30 man field and it's, it's once a year and you deal with it because it's the last event of the year. Um, and same with the, the one in Hawaii, the uh, opening event with the, the winners. Okay. It's like, it's once a year you deal with it to have that every, you know, four weeks with no, uh, you know, like there's, they're, they're just, it's just a money grab. Like, honestly, I would not have been interested in watching it. Saudis aside, any league with like 20 golfers playing, it's stupid. I, I would have been interested in it personally, but that's just me. Um, so I'm glad it's dead. I don't, need to keep the PGA tour as is. I mean, there certainly can be improvements made. I mean, we could talk all night about how they could improve the PGA tour, but um, I'm glad it's dead and, and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll move forward. Yeah. Well said, John. I mean, it now just to refresh my memory, I know there was some talk about Peter Jakobsen being in the mix. Was that for this league or for something else? Who did? But somebody really, somebody really old. I forgot who it was. I forgot who it was. But it was somebody really, really old. He, he means Peter Jacobson, the guy who's like sixty-five <laughs> and was in the Pebble Beach field for some reason, <laughs> and uh, not surprised that he finished dead last. Although he didn't completely embarrass himself. He didn't shoot like 92, 91. Okay, but he did finish dead last. <laughs> that, that's one thing that's wrong with the PGA Tour. How does that guy get to play at Pebble Beach while? some guy that's like grinding for his PGA tour card can't even get, you know, an, an exemption or an invite. Like that's just a complete joke. Like, I'm sure he was, I'm sure I, I had to look back to the winners of that tournament. I'm sure Jacobson won it at some point in like the last 25 years, but I mean, come on, like that, that's just really stupid that someone like him, they got to fill out the field. So they invite Peter Jacobson in. I mean, come on, give, give it to somebody, some young uh, tour pro who's trying to make a living for himself. So I think Dave meant to Dave confused Peter Jacobson and Freddie Jacobson. <laughs> yeah, right. but, uh, <laughs> but I Peter Jacobson, I think uh he he loves the Bing the Bing Crosby and he won it there. Like that was like the first event that he played and like he won it there. And that's why like he got so mad that not to stop it slightly, but he was mad that a lot of guys like skip the program and uh not because to play in the saudi but the guys skip the program because they don't want to play six hour rounds and they don't want to be subject to larry the cable guy and kenny g but peter jacobson made a point like this is the one event where like a lot of the sponsors that fund like the pga tour will actually be there so players should actually go out of their way to play the Bing Crosby so you can rub elbows with, you know, the Charlie Schwab and the, you know, all the mutual insurance companies, like all those executives that are going to be playing in the six hour rounds. I dig that. So that puts a bow on this, this wild. But the Saudi, I'll just a couple quick. Oh, sure, sure. sure. Saudi, just to piggyback what, 
uh, the other guys were saying like it was real, like it was like it was a tangible thing. And I don't know if Greg Norman secretly wants to kill Mickelson or he's thankful that Mickelson is basically the public scapegoat now. But like Norman, like was basically the intermediary between like the players that were going to play and you know all these like these shadowy clandestine like people that were gonna orchestrate everything but like you had all the european players that were uh signing ndas like that basically means like we're you know the train's moving you know and then that shutnik excerpt got released but the pga and the european tour were did lots of things to kind of discourage players from doing it. Like number one, they formed that PGA Euro tour strategic Alliance. They basically like hand waved the Asian tour uh, as like collateral damage for that. And then the whole player impact social media thing that was basically geared to, you know, discourage players from going to the tour and the continuation of increasing prize pools uh you know making the tournaments more lavish that's another you know what you ever want to call it uh motivator for these players to to stay stay loyal to uh jay monahan right on yeah thank you for your thoughts on that too andy I, I, that's cool that you were you, you're up on this as well um so to the action that took place and what a weekend for not only Joaquin Neiman but our friend John who had a who, who had action on him. Good stuff. My goodness, that's a huge win. Great job out of you. Oh, what do we got over here? We going to triple, double overnight? But yeah, it's in Providence. I mean, we should just be betting that their games go to overtime. This is just ridiculous. But um, yeah, I was lucky enough to hit Neiman at fifty to one this past week. Um, on top of I had Scheffler the previous week at 27 to one. So it's been a couple good weeks. I will never have two weeks of golf betting like that again. But if we're going to go for three in a row, we're going to up the ante this week. We're going to go Garrick Higo at 101. That'll be my bet for this week. So we'll, we'll see how uh, see how that works. I mean, my, my reasoning was he's been playing well uh, his last couple events on tour. And there's a bunch of losers below him at more odds, you know, better odds that have not even – come close to winning on the PGA tour. And this, this guy's won on PGA tour in the last 12 months. So we'll see what happens. Good luck, my friend. Yeah. I love it. Let's go back to Mike and let's get your recap of the tournament itself. Were you, were you able to watch a, a decent amount of the Genesis invitational? I saw a good amount of it, Dave, but I was a little bit out of the mix. I've just been uh, pretty busy with stuff lately. Unfortunately, you know, I got uh, my uh, last semester of law school combined with working part-time at a firm. So I'm in and out on it a little bit. I'll say this about uh, Neiman though, which I think underscores how impressive his uh, performance was. Normally when someone puts up like a really low number over a first couple of rounds and a really no low number overall, he almost set the uh, scoring record um, at Riviera. Didn't quite make it. But normally, if you look at their stats, it's that they putted really well on top of everything. But if you look at Neiman this week, he did not – like his putting was good, but he didn't lead the field, and he wasn't really near the top of the field in strokes game putting. He was just so good tee to green 
that that's how he blew everyone's doors off. So a very impressive performance by him. Uh, when he came out on the tour, you know, he was a number one ranked amateur, so he had a, a good amount of hype to him. But if you look at his swing, it kind of has a lot of moving parts. Like mm-hmm. he, he has to reroute and his head kind of moves and everything. So, you know, I was wondering what his ceiling actually was, but he seems to be hitting the ball a long way. Uh, seems to be really good with his irons, can do a lot of stuff. So an impressive performance by him. You know, I'll, I'll say one thing generally about the tournament and um, what I think's kind of been going on with the PGA Tour with this Saudi, uh, you know, thing that had been lingering the background. When courses are difficult, especially outside of majors, the pros complain about it. I remember I was at Beth Page Black, uh, God, 10 years ago now. And I was there and I was watching it. And during it was a third round. And after the third round, a lot of the tour pros were complaining about it. And from what I saw, it did not seem unfair. So I think they have consciously gone towards easier setups to sort of accommodate them. And you saw that a little bit at, uh, at Riviera. There wasn't much rough. The rough was basically, uh, I don't know, kind of like what Augusta would call their second cut, maybe a little bit longer as opposed to three or four inches. Now, look, uh, a lot of times scoring conditions do, uh, they really depend on the weather and there wasn't much wind at Riviera, which can be a, a big equalizer. But I definitely think that's something that's been going on, uh, that they've just been a little bit easier with the core setups knowing that's what the players want and we need the players to be happy right now, or at least they did up until last week. You know, to your point, though, there definitely was something to the setup because I just I'm not used to seeing that low a score. Like I, I remarked to you in text that I'd never seen a negative 21 in the middle of a Riviera, anything at Riviera. So it's just, yeah, it sounds like something really did happen. But uh, um, all right. Are they going to set it up this uh, easy for this week? I mean, I don't know what they can do at PGA National, but make it easy like that. I don't think I've ever seen the winning score better than 10 under there. It's going to be a bloodbath like, like usuals. And maybe that's why not, it's not a good field to be, mm. to be honest with you. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. To quickly jump in on that. You, you can't, there's only so much you can do there because there's water on so many holes. There's disaster lurking on the back nine, seemingly everywhere. And there's almost always wind. So if you get the usual conditions, it's just like guys are going to be hitting their balls in the water on 15 and 17. And it, you can go around and it's only a par 70. So, but that is an interesting point though, that you bring up is that you remember like 10 years ago, the early part of the 2010s, like the Honda classic was sort of the first big stroke play event where all the guys from Europe would come over and now no one's showing up. So it's just, it's interesting how some tournaments rise, some tournaments fall. Riviera wasn't really getting great fields in like 2010, 2011. I mean, Fred couples almost won in 2011 there. Right. Wow. How about that? So, um, the great segue to the coming weekend, a really, really good spot, but going back to last week, John, um, anything else you want to add as far as the Genesis invitational, you know, got interesting. It, um, yeah. What'd you think? Yeah, no, I, I, it was, a, I mean, watch golf every week. I mean, it was a entertaining tournament. Obviously when I'm winning hundreds of dollars, it, it's <laughs> even more entertaining, but, um, you know, Neiman is an impressive guy. Like he, his short game has had really failed him uh, in the past couple of years when he's been in contention. Um, perfect example. I think he had played uh, this tournament. It was the last year, the year before his ball striking was unbelievable, but the guy couldn't chip and it just completely took him out of the tournament. And clearly he's improved on that because um, you know, you got to have some sort of a short game to, um, you know, to, to win on the PGA tour. And 
But this past week, like Mike said, his approach play, like I think they said on his Thursday round, his his longest putt he made was nine feet away and he shot eight under. So, um, you know, that just goes to show you that his approach game is just so on point. Um, but it's interesting because, you know, you, you see him and then you look at guys like Dustin Johnson, who was just a complete hack out there at Riviera. Like he, he didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, same with, uh, I believe Kepka also missed the cut, but so, you know, I, I I'm coming to the realization that guys like that, if they start off the tournament, kind of like poor for the first say 13 or 14 holes, they're not like your tour grinder. Like say, um, I don't know, Kevin, Nah, who's going to like, really going to fight to make the cut. Like they're just going to like, all right, well, fuck this. Like, I'm just going to take the weekend off and, you know, and do whatever. And they just kind of mail it in. So I've kind of noticed that with the top players, like if they don't really start out hot, um, that they, uh, you know, they'll, they'll kind of pack it in. Um, I will say like, I have, I have huge expectations for Victor Hovland this year. Like that dude, he can play like his approach game is unbelievable. Um, another guy who has really struggled with his chipping, but if he improves that, like he might win a major this year because uh, like, there's honestly not many people are striking the ball as well as Victor Hovland right now. Um, he hasn't had like that marquee win yet. I know he's won uh, in Europe. Uh, it, you know, and he won a couple times at the at the Mexico event in Mayakoba. Uh, but I, I think he's too, gonna... right? What's that? Didn't he win Puerto Rico? Yeah, he won Puerto Rico as well. Yeah, um, yeah. So he hasn't won like a high profile event on the PGA Tour yet. But I think that's going to change. He's going to win something something this year for sure. That, that that's going to be a, a bet to make. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was an exciting tournament. Um, I do like this Cameron Young guy. Uh, he's definitely has some potential. Um, he hits the ball really long. Uh, he's accurate with his irons. If he could have done anything with his putter on Sunday, it, it would have been an interesting, interesting back nine, but he could not putt. So clearly that's the weakness of his game, but he's a, a nice, uh, young, uh, improving player to, to watch out for. But yeah, no, it, I, it was a, you know, enjoy watching the, the, the golf every week, no matter who's playing, it's a, it's a new story and a new, uh, new challenge to, uh, to see uh, on every tournament. So, yeah, definitely enjoy Yeah, it's a great event. It continues to be a nice field and uh, no different this year. Some some good stuff, to, you know, a little bit of con, you know, particularly with the young players. Like, young players are doing pretty well this uh, this tournament. It's a good good job on most of them. Andy, let's get your thoughts on the Genesis as well. Any thoughts from your end? Yeah, I mean, I love the tournament. I love the history, Bogey's Tree, Mance, the course, the course, so many memorable holes, you know, 10, you know, the 18 approach, you know, the the long par threes, uh, the first hole with like, you know, it's kind of like a short par five and everyone just kind of hits it through the fairway and the second shot's kind of in that weird little, you know, strip of, landing strip of rough, but great, great tournament. Um, as, as the other guys mentioned, there's so many good golfers, like, this idea of uh it's a oh once he wins one major he's gonna win multiple majors like morikawa definitely is well on his way to winning multiple majors but gotta remember there's only four a year so like hovland's gonna win one and you know jacko neiman has potential to win a major and kepka needs to win a major and dj needs to win a major and justin thomas needs to win a major when's rory gonna win you know there's only there's not many to go around so uh there's so many like really good golfers, uh, you know, Scotty Scheffler, uh, Carlos Ortiz, all these young players in between the, like, 
Figala from uh, the Phoenix a couple of weeks ago. Um, even even elite snobs like Maverick McNeely, like <laughs> all these guys between the age of 21 and 25. And then we're slowly seeing, you know, also Rams like Bubba Watson and Ricky Fowler and Webb Simpson, you know, Keegan, I like Keegan Bradley, but these guys are going to slowly become more like insignificant, but you know, not to say they can't win again, you know, and also like the, you know, the Asian players that don't really uh, emote, but like Sung J M plays every event, like, and he'll be in the Honda. So there's just so many really, really good golfers. There's, and there's not enough, you know, events to see them all shine because that's just, you know, that's just sports in a nutshell. But I will say this, uh, I love Nance, you know, half the time it's like kind of tongue in cheek, but God, you know, got to respect his passion, but I have two critiques of him. Uh, unless I was not paying attention, like he did not mention like Neiman, like it's not like he came out of nowhere. He was on the president's team in 2019, you know, you know, maybe we obsessed about golf, this little group too much, but you know, we've all heard of Neiman for like multiple years. He, it's not like he just came, like came out of like a, like a, like a plant. He grew out of a plant overnight. Like he's been around for a while. Usually Nance does like a little background and I don't remember him mentioning the president's cup. And the other thing, uh, the Tiger Woods, Jim Nance interview on Saturday, like I tweeted about it, but it's like, those guys have done the same interview for like 20 years. And it's like Nance, Nance knows like Nance has probably seen like the whole, like before interview and after interview, like the best and the worst of tiger. Like I'm sure back in the day after an interview tiger, after the, you know, the interview ends, like, like, ah, like well, fuck you Nance or something like that. And you probably <laughs> seen like the gracious tiger, like before the interview. And then, and then Woods knows like how corny Nance is. So like they both like butter each other up and it actually makes for a good interview. I will say this though, Nance, uh, you know, to talk like, you know, to protect the image, to pr protect the network or whatever, like Nance, you can, would it would be so off off his like persona, but he, on Sunday he's like Tiger was so gracious. He stayed an extra segment. Like he's back. Like Nance would Achilles wants to be like Tiger. What's it like? You know, you're not banging floozies every ten seconds. You know, like, <laughs> we. It's not like we don't remember that. Like right. that he, Nance will just. Uh, you know, he's he's not gonna go that route. But it kind of comes across as disingenuous. Like you're you're completely whitewashing a lot of tigers like false. Mm, like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, there is a lot of uh, skeletons in the closet. Am I right? So Mike, any other thoughts just related to the Genesis invitation a little? Oh, sure. A couple things. One is that John brought up a good point, which is that uh, if you look at Hovland's wins, he, he doesn't have one in the continental United States. And I wish a sports book could offer this, that Azinger will bring that up at some point during the Florida swing. <laughs> so, you know, it really means a lot to win in the continental United States. A lot of pressure on him here. You, you, you know that's coming. If Hovland is in the mix on the back nine, you know that is coming. It'd be the easiest money you'd ever make in your life. But I don't think any, maybe if you call a sports book and ask them nicely, they'd give you odds. But I don't think those are going to be posted anywhere. And then, uh, yeah, I, I guess quickly on Tiger, there was a uh, 
uh, speaking of uh, media outlets doing a, a good job, there's actually a very critical piece about him on ESPN about the whole uh, aftermath of the accident. And it did have one thing because uh, he was asked about, are there any like details you want to tell us about? And he was, he said, oh, it's all in the police report. But somehow ESPN got a hold of like the security video that they looked to track his car. And they said that while he was driving, like they had things where a light turned green and he sat at the green green light for like 10 seconds. So the ESPN article like kind of implied he was fucked up on something and they, you know, really didn't investigate it, which is probably what happened. But I mean, who knows? Hey, it could have been a bunch of other things. But I was surprised to see that because they do try to whitewash things with Tiger. As with Tiger, uh, yeah, we'll see him play at some point this year. As to the severity of his injuries, I think he probably got off a little bit better than we all expected when we saw the like when I saw the car accident, the helicopter was like he might be dead, but seems like he came out of that relatively unscathed. So, um, you know, if he was able to play in that father's son a few months ago, if he was able to apparently walk up that huge set of stairs from the uh, 18th green at Riviera up to the clubhouse, I you know, I, maybe he'll play the Masters. I don't really know, but we'll see him back at some point this year. But I mean, he's 46 years old. I, I, I doubt he has all that much left in the tank. So, what's so interesting? It's so interesting. You see people that age. You know, not and then Phil too, and then even Adam Scott's kind of getting up there, right? Like you're seeing like guys in their 40s that are just kind of sent. You know, like, where does it end? But uh, I think. You know, it's fun to see this generation, but uh, they are kind of getting, getting into that twilight for sure. So, uh, yeah, thanks very much for all your guys' recap of, the, of this event. Always fun to recap the Genesis. So uh, we're about out of time. So, John, I'll give it to you for final thoughts, and we'll roll it down the line uh, before we uh, roll out. Yeah, uh, I'll just a couple quick things. Um, love the golf talk. Um, Andy brought up the point of like how there's so many stories and different players that, you know, we have to try to follow each and every week. I will say this, like the golf channel is trying to make Harry Higgs a thing just because like he took his shirt off at the Phoenix open and he's a fat guy and he's kind of jolly. Like the, the, he, you know, no offense to him. Like he is not a good golfer at the moment. Like he's just a, a random tour player and they're trying to make him out to be somebody. So no offense, Harry, but like, I just don't understand that. Hey, good for him if he's make, cashing on that PIP money or whatever it is. But, like, they were making a whole segment about him at the Phoenix Open, like, interviewing him after the round. It's just like, all right, enough of that. Um, and secondly, uh, the CBS golf coverage, I will say, is excellent. Get rid of Dottie Pepper, and we are cooking with gas because everybody else is just – I mean, I can do without uh, Ian Baker Finch sometimes and his overwhelmingly positive comments, but – Otherwise, everybody else is just tremendous. I think Colt Nost has been a great addition to their team and just the way he interacts with everybody. Uh, so that's kind of my comment on the the broadcasting so far for this year. And I, Mike just brought up, reminded me that now we get Azinger for six weeks. So it's just, it's going to be a rough, a rough transition into spring. But, um, you know, we'll be watching the tournaments anyway. Oh, yeah. And then some good events coming up in the next few weeks ahead. So let's go to Andy and let's get your final thoughts before we head on out. Yeah, the whole Harry Higgs scenario I reminds me of when Tommy was like, you don't even, who's supposed to know Harry Higgs? Like, well, everyone knows Harry Higgs now, but he just, him, Joel Damon, at least Joel Damon actually won an event. And I, I know Higgs, uh, they've all won on the Corn Ferry Tour, but it's like, 
kind of reminds me of like Beef Johnson. Like Beef Johnson won a Euro event and he was kind of like a thing for a couple minutes. Like everyone here knows who Beef John Andrew Beef Johnson. Um and I don't know. I there's just so many people that can flame out, like Spencer Levine, for instance. Remember him? Uh it's just like just <laughs> golf. Man, they yeah. can just spit you up and but or you can just catch lightning in a bottle and and just like Will Zalatoris, like, but then four years from now, Will Zalatoris might be completely out of golf. So it's just, it's crazy. It's fun. If you have, if you're locked in like John right now, just stay locked in as long as you can. Like Garrick, he go, like, I don't, maybe I'll take, uh, ride his coattails, take Garrick in my one and done. I'm, I'm, I'm sticking with Sungjae, Sungjae M. We'll see what happens. But yeah, the, uh, Florida swing. Um, we're going to have that. Uh, we, the clocks are going to change and we're going to have tea times at like, you know, 2 PM tea time soon on the East, you know, which means sunset is going to be later getting closer to, you know, Augusta, you know, bridging the, the bridge between winter, spring and summer. It's, it's coming. It's coming. And, uh, you know, we got some good golf events, players in two weeks as well. Yeah, the players is always a good spot. Always a good spot. And Andy, I'm looking forward to I hope you can join us for the Masters recap once we get to it. It should be really fun. We might even be able to do a players uh, podcast if you guys want to do it. Just let me know. But, uh, Mike, you're, you're, we'll give it to you for the last word. Sure. So uh, as we turn to Florida, we really start the run up to the Masters. I know we do have a, a players championship in a couple weeks, but yeah, that's a big event. A lot of people are playing in it, but yeah, history doesn't judge you by players championships. Let's be honest. So uh, we're all looking forward to Augusta. See the storylines build who's going to be coming in hot. Uh, who the favorites are going to be. A lot of that is really up in the air right now. So that's always fun. You know, this beginning part of the golf season, it's, it's always fun just to see the storylines and the drama build towards that first major. Um, sort of has a special aura to it that the rest of the season doesn't have. So, and with that said, I will say there were two things that Augusta National released, which would have been, uh, I guess, bigger news, if not for this whole Saudi League scenario, which is that they did lengthen two of the holes. So it's now playing over 7,500 yards. And interestingly, they talked about lengthening 13 for years, the dog leg left par five. But it, even though they've acquired the land to do it, that is not the holes that they have lengthened. They have lengthened sure. 11, which to me is kind of interesting because that's already a 500-yard par, uh, par four, and they moved the tee back slightly to the left. So tee shot is more straight away as opposed to a dogleg right. I think the fairway is wider. They took out some of the trees on the right. So, all right, it's going to be an easy fairway to hit, but if it's 525 yards, even if you're hitting it 320, you still got 200 yards with a green with a lake perched right on the left. So that'll be interesting to see. And then uh, 15 is now longer. The second par five on the back nine over the water. So, yeah, I guess that makes sense. It got to the point where guys were just able to carry the drive so far that they were hitting the downslope on the fairway and having short irons into that green, which is not how it was designed to be played. So uh, a couple changes to Augusta national in the mix. So, um, I guess we'll see how those play out in uh, about a month and a half. 
I look forward to it. I look forward to it. Yeah, so uh, thanks, everybody, for, for joining us tonight. Mike, nice of you to parachute in with us. John, of course, uh, great to have your commentary, and same for you, Andy. Um, have a great rest of your week, and uh, hope to see you again next time. Take care, everybody, and, and good luck to everything, your, your action, including Providence, which uh, hopefully will come through for you. Can't believe this game was going on before the – there was like two minutes left in regulation when the show started. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's crazy. Good stuff. Double overtime. How about it? But, uh, yeah. <laughs> Did he get the free throw? Yeah, he got the free throw. All right, nice. So we'll see if they hang on. But, fellas, take care. And uh, all the best. Thanks so much again for doing this. Right, good take luck, care, guys. Thanks, you everybody. Guys. Take care, everyone. All right. Well, that was a fun time. Uh, thanks to Mike and Andy and John. And, um, boy, always a good time. We'll see. Yeah, you can see Providence is clinging by one point. Well, the foul game put them to a cover. Find, find, tune in and find out over at CBS Sports Network. But meanwhile, over here, we will say good night and uh, thanks again to everybody for joining us. Um, we love the. I mean, I I hope you enjoyed the show tonight. If you have any comments, you can reach us at Didcow on Twitter, and our website is didcow.com. Really fun. We're hoping to come back next week. We'll have more coverage of the NFL, college football, and all the rest. Um, we, we really invite you to keep us uh, stay with us as we go into the remainder of the um, of the football offseason and the sports uh, the sports season in general. I mean, lots to lots of juice as you, as you know. But uh, till then, we say good night. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>